happy Friday and welcome back to Rush Hour. My name is Nicole. And I'm Amukta. And today we have a bit of news for you and we are bringing back our monumental third segment. I don't know if monumental is how to describe it, but <laughs> we are going to have a third segment today, so stay tuned for that. Um, but before we get to our third segment, we do have a lot of news to share with you. My story is from earlier this week, from like Wednesday, when the House of Representatives, oh, it was on Tuesday, voted to oust California Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy in a vote of 216 to 210. So this is the first time ever that a House Speaker has been fired, basically. (laughs) And ironically, it happened days after McCarthy reached an 11th hour deal to avoid a government shutdown. So Republican Representative Matt Gates was the one to make the move to oust him on Monday. And this is not really surprising because Gates has withheld his support of McCarthy as Speaker since January when McCarthy was trying to get support to um, be backed for the position. Um, And Mr. Gates has accused him of many things, including making a secret side deal at the weekend with President Biden on Ukraine aid. So he clearly does not love um, McCarthy or his like what he's doing as speaker. So the House is in recess this week um, to discuss who to back in the vote for the next speaker. And this vote is scheduled for next or this coming Wednesday, um, October 11th. But the process could take days or weeks. So we may not know by Wednesday who the next speaker will be. This is <clears throat> really funny, actually, because in an earlier episode, we were talking about... Um, how Kevin McCarthy actually opened an impeachment inquiry against President Biden. So yeah. the fact that all of this is coming back now, I think, is, is pretty ironic. Um, I, I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think most of his opposition was by really, like, radical, really far-right Republicans. Um, I guess he's more—he's a Republican, but he's probably more— not neutral, but just, like, less extreme than others. And so the deals that he's making that, like, reflects that less extremeness is not going over well with the very, very right-wing yeah. representatives. So I can imagine. Um, do we know anything about the next speaker, though? At the moment, no. Um, the Republicans, it's going to be another Republican still, um, but they, I'm not sure of any possible like candidates or like who they're going to choose, but we should know, I would say we might know by next, next Friday. Maybe we can update unless it, it may take longer. Okay. But if we do have an answer, we will update you next week. Yeah. And I guess for that week of recess that, um. The house is having. They're sure to. They're gonna f- find somebody with. Yeah, it's just a matter of film. Okay, so. Um, yeah. Uh, moving on to something 
kind of political as well. I guess this is more internationally impacting though. Uh, just this earlier, just earlier this morning, um, Narjis Mohammadi won the Nobel Peace Prize for her work fighting against women's oppression in Iran. And with all the conflicts surrounding women's rights in Iran lately, for you know the last year, for a long time really, uh, Mohammadi has been one of the more prominent figures and has been arrested 13 times, convicted five times, now facing a total of 31 years in prison and 154 lashes. And the 51-year-old is the deputy of the Defenders of Human Rights Center and has been fighting for the cause in behind bars by gathering protest information with other inmates. These protests have been going strong since the death of 2022-year-old Masa Amini, who we talked about a little bit in some of our earlier episodes. Um, And this made headlines last year. And ever since then, um, the public has been a lot more aware of all the, you know, women's oppression happening right now in Iran and... Yeah, I do remember. Um, I remember another story that we went over about women's rights in Iran mm-hmm. and how education, how girls weren't allowed to go to school, and they were having yeah. like problems with, yeah, education inequality. Um, so, I definitely, yeah, this has definitely been an issue that's been in the news a lot, and it's nice to see somebody who's protesting against it um, getting that recognition. Mm-hmm. But she's still behind. She's still going to have 31 years of prison. She is, yeah. She actually spoke with the New York Times, so I'm not sure about her like current state. Okay. Um, but we know that she won the Peace Prize, and we also know that the Iranian government is accusing her of like lying about the punishment, that she's not like actually getting lashed, which oh, is like a form of yeah, punishment. Like- yeah. That's like torture. Yeah, like, it is. <laughs> I see why they would want her to not talk about that. But <laughs> 154 lashes is insane. It's a it's a little extreme. Um, but she's been pretty pretty restless about the whole the whole situation, and um, it's it's good to see. Yeah, it is good to see. Um, those that was a quick quick few. Um, like big pieces of news. That was. Um, do you want to do our speed news right now? Yeah, we can. We can go ahead. All right, let's just jump into speed news then to end the segment. Do you want to start us off? I will. Okay, so this is gonna seem a little short on information, so definitely research this later if you have time. But Travis Kelsey's mom has spoken, and she said it's too soon to say if her son and Taylor Swift are in a budding romance. So the mother herself has spoken. <laughs> and it's still unknown like we still have to see um okay then the next piece of speed news is i don't know if it's that relevant to anything but i thought it was interesting there was an american tourist who was arrested um for smashing statues in an israel museum um it was a 40 year old man and he defaced the statue statues because he said that they were idolatrous which is like worshiping idols is there Um, something wrong with that i don't know apparently it was for him but (laughs) he did get arrested for it so okay um well next the men's cricket world cup is heating up now so stay on the lookout for australia versus pakistan this weekend and india versus pakistan next weekend and these three countries are very prominent figures in the world cup so it will be exciting 
Yeah, India and Pakistan have like a really big rivalry, right? Yeah, political rivalry, which makes our cricket games oh, pretty interesting. Okay, <laughs> that will be interesting to see the outcome of that. And there you go. That's our speed news for today as well. If you want to um, learn more about the speed news, because we didn't go in depth, you can research that on your own. Um, but just to get those stories in your head. And then we have some good news for you now to end off your Friday on um, a positive note. Not that any of our previous news stories were too terrible. This time, yeah, they but... were not that bad. Yeah. So starting off, we have a monkey. So, <laughs> Amukha loves the animal stories. I, I think they're really funny. But yesterday, a monkey named Momo escaped its owner's house into a neighborhood in Indianapolis. And the police department reported that Momo escaped from a home in the Iron Ridge Court area. So if you're nearby, do keep a lookout because the police don't know if Momo bites or not. And one neighbor reported seeing Momo drinking beer. So. Oh my gosh. Is that good? Like this neighbor just lost their monkey. I don't even how how is that even legal to have a pet monkey? It is legal actually. You just have to have it registered um under like the animal welfare. Actually I have seen that. I see videos of like pet monkeys with like the diapers. Yeah. <laughs> like the ones that run around your house and they're like destroying yeah. everything and you wonder why they are still their pet. I don't know, yeah, why anybody would get a monkey as a pet. I love monkeys. <laughs> Would not as never have one in my house <laughs> just to take care of, but that's that's fun. Yeah, yeah. look out for a monkey drinking beer. <laughs> um, I have a piece of good news that is sports related. It's also a World Cup. Um, Ooh, okay, but it's not the cricket World Cup. This is the soccer or football World Cup. Which for is... 2030. Okay. Because we have one that's going to be 2026. Okay, yeah. That's okay. I've heard it's in North America, which is so sad yeah. because it's like right after the year we graduate. I know. It's really sad. Hopefully, maybe, I don't know. We could like be in college in like LA and then go. That's you know? true. That's true. But we'll see. But this is for the 2030 one. So in eight years or seven years. Um, which will be the 100th anniversary of the global tournament. Um, And now it is really going global. On Wednesday, the continental leaders of FIFA reached an agreement on where to host the games. And it was already known that it was going to be in Spain, Portugal, and Morocco as like the main hosts. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is already three countries and two continents. Yeah. But now they have added three more countries on a different continent. So because, yeah, players are going to be in Spain, Portugal, and Morocco for the majority of the tournament, but they're going to start in Argentina, Paraguay, and Uruguay for the first three staging games, um, which FIFA is calling the centenary celebration matches. Um, And... This is because the inaugural World Cup in 1930 was hosted in Centenario Stadium in Uruguay's capital of Montevideo. So they wanted to commemorate the first game and have the first game of 2030 be hosted in the same place. Mm -hmm. Um, And so now that all of... So yeah, there's going to be... The first game is in Uruguay and then two other games are just going to be in South America and then they will all move to... Europe and Africa for the rest of them. So wow, three okay. continents, six countries. It's 
going to be really big. And now that all of that is settled, the bidding for hosting the 2034 games has started. Um, But I think there's a rule that, like, the continents who have hosted the past few games or tournaments aren't able to host the next one. So because four out of seven continents have already hosted, only two are eligible for the 2034, which is Asia and Oceania. Oceania. So, wait, which ones are the four out of seven? Like, it's Europe, Africa, South America, and North America. Because North America is the next one, and then it's these three countries. Okay. And I mean, they could. I I was thinking about that. I think that they should host one in Antarctica somewhere. <laughs> Poor soccer players. I well, they could make like an indoor heated stadium. You know, <laughs> that might not be best for like the wildlife there, but. Oh, that would, that would be cool. That would be cool. Um, so, yeah, we now I know that Saudi Arabia is really wants to um, host the next one. And then I also know that Australia is looking for, for it as well. So, OK, yeah, but we will. That is in how many years? Like 12. That's in over a oh decade. God, so. Yeah. We don't really have to think about that right now, but for 2030, if you want to get your tickets, not sure when they'll be on sale. But yeah, that's where, if you live in near any of those places, that's where it'll be. Wow, that's that's actually pretty exciting. You know, I always wondered, like, with some of the tournaments that are hosted in different countries, how do the athletes deal with it? Like, especially the one in 2030, if it's going to be hosted in separate continents, like, doesn't the jet like get to them? How do they keep up with? I was all thinking that? about that too. And when they're in so many different places, like even when they're on in the normal, like the final rounds, they're going to be moving from Portugal to Morocco to Spain, like all yeah. around. <laughs> so they're just going to be. And I feel like I feel like it's the same with the twenty twenty six one. Where it's oh, yeah. gonna be all over North America. Yeah, in a way that might be worse because they're going to like a lot more locations. They I are, think. but it is gonna be in a more like similar time zone. That's it's true. only like a few hours. Yeah, that's true. Varying on each. This one is like across the world, uh-huh. so it's also gonna like take a ton of time to get to everywhere and yeah. things like that. And matches, there's like sometimes there's two in like one day. So I know they go by fast. I have, do you think that a team will play a match and then have to fly on the same day for another match? I don't know. Probably not. I think this is more like a group stage kind of thing, so they probably won't have like two matches in one day, but it's still it's still kind of close. <laughs> yeah. Whatever happens, it's going to be crazy. And I know that some people try to like go to there's some really really big fans that try to go to every single match. Wow. Or not okay. the ones that like I guess some are like overlapping they each do, other, but yeah. they try to go to like almost everyone they can. Uh-huh. But I don't know if they're going to be able to do that this time. Not. Unless unless they're super rich. Maybe. Oh yeah, I guess the people <laughs> that are going to all of those matches are rich anyways. So. Cuz um the women's cup was this year. Yes. Yeah. But it happened in both Australia and New Zealand, which actually isn't like too bad, right. I guess. Um, I was concerned when it was happening in both countries. I was like, how are they going to deal with this? But now hearing like about all these different the, countries. Yeah, the Men's World Cup is doing going. It's insane it's now. Very like crazy, yeah. for the next two ones, it's going to be 
all over. But uh-huh. yeah, that is excited. Uh, it's exciting. I love. I love. I don't watch soccer, but I love watching the World Cup. The World Cup is like the one thing I'll one one kind of sport that I'll watch like a bunch of excitement. Yeah, so. I know the world. I know because it's like the whole world. It's like that yeah. in the Olympics are like my favorite sports to yes. watch. It's so sad they're only every four years though. I know. So we will not be broadcasting the next World Cup. We yeah, will be graduated. Our, but the last time we were able to broadcast a World Cup was last year. Since yes. that was the last time. And I know, yeah. but you can watch it on your own. I'm sure. The new students on KMIH, there will be some big soccer fans that will be informing you probably better than we ever could. So, um, but yeah, that is that. And Mm -hmm. that is all of our news for today. So, like I said, we do have a third segment today. This week, I interviewed Alex Stone, who is the executive director of a project organization called the Amandla Project, which aims to give college students with physical disabilities the chance to travel to South Africa and do internships and gain a lot of like experience and empowerment on their travel journey. And then it also helps them get employment and jobs when they're back home. And so he is a really interesting person to talk to. Um, his, if you've ever seen The Woman King, you may know Siv Ngesi, who's an actor in that movie. And he is one of the board members on this project. So he also came and did this interview as well. And it's a really interesting interview. It's interesting what they have to say. So we are going to play that and I'll have a little bit of an introduction in the actual interview. But after that is done, we are not going to do an outro today. So I guess we should say goodbye now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that would make the most sense, but I guess we will be back next Friday at the same time and place, yep. um, just so you know. And yeah, without further ado, let's get into the interview. Alex Stone was born with cerebral palsy and has used a wheelchair his entire life. In 2011, he traveled to South Africa to pursue an internship as an undergrad, overcoming challenges and gaining leadership experience along the way. 12 years later, and he's now bringing those empowering international experiences to the fellows of his own program, The Amandla Project. Today, I have with me Alexander Stone, executive director of the Amandla Project, and board member Siv Ngesi, an actor and producer you may know from various movies and shows, such as The Woman King. Okay, first of all, when I'm listening to myself describe the two of you, actor and comedian, compared to like an executive director of a program like this, I personally don't clearly connect the dots right away. <laughs> So <laughs> we were saying the same thing when we we're Panda Express when we we're about to order and people it's like oh, are you guys friends? <laughs> yeah, to start I wanted to get the story of your guys's friendship and how you guys met and started working together. As an undergraduate at CLU, I was doing a study abroad in Cape Town where Siv is from and I lived in a condo building with some other students and Siv also lived in the building and so often I would struggle to get a ride to my internship and I would spend a lot of time down in the cafe and Sib would also be down there. Uh, I later found out moving the Wi-Fi and he, we just struck up a friendship just because uh, I was waiting for a ride and I guess he was waiting for work. Um, I was actually waiting for breakfast but <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we definitely, I think 
it's two individuals from different countries and just different walks of life. And the interesting thing about it is that I think that's why the program is so important, that people can have access to meeting people from just crazy different walks of life. And, and, and I think that that's a great question to start off with because I think if it wasn't for Alex having access to be able to travel overseas, we would have never had a friendship. Right. So then when we're talking about this program and traveling overseas, could you give um, our listeners a brief overview of what this program is about? Sure. I mentioned that I um, went abroad as an undergraduate, but in order to find that program, I had to I face a lot of barriers. A lot of programs weren't open to me participating. Um, at the time, I relied really heavily on a service dog for independence. And so a lot of programs didn't want me to bring my dog along. And when I finally found a program, I just had the most amazing experience. And I got back home. It led to a job in the fundraising side of that organization that trained my service dog. But as I would go around and share my story, which included the travel piece, people would just be really surprised that I had that experience. And it never, well, I knew they were impressed by the travel stories. Like, it never set, set really well with me that it was so unexpected that a person with a physical disability had a full college experience. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I wanted to do something. I made these amazing friends while I was in South Africa, and I wanted to do something to leverage my professional experience and those amazing connections that I had. So I went and got my master's degree and launched this program, which is an eight-week program for students with mobility disabilities from U.S.-based colleges. They will have accessible housing. We have a house in the outskirts of Cape Town. They'll have accessible transportation, and then they'll be matched with internships that mesh with their professional goals. And then each weekend, there's a different South African icon who's agreed to provide a leadership development experience. So Civ is one of those. We have the first black captain of the national rugby team, Sia Khaleesi. We have really prominent political figures, people in the disability rights movement who have really risen to prominence. So so we've really created a, a super curated experience for these students to come back as empowered leaders after having this experience. Right. So are these figures that you're mentioning, are they like giving speeches to the fellows or are they working with them? In what exactly? In some cases, it's, it's like a lecture, but in other cases, we have like comedians who are going to encourage the students to step out of their comfort zone, roll out of their comfort zone to do like stand up comedy, all sorts of different things. Some of them are interviews like this. The students will do a live radio interview just like this when they first go to South Africa. And it'll be, I think, pretty uncomfortable. But then when they have wrapped up their experience, they're going to crystallize their growth, do another radio interview, and share their experiences with a South African audience in preparation for coming back to the States and being able to crystallize those experiences in a job interview. Right. That's awesome. And Siv, how has your experience been working with these people in this program? I think for me, I think we spoke about just in the car now. I think a lot of people don't have access to people who have disabilities, and especially in Africa. And for me, I think having a best friend who is differently abled or disabled has made me a better person to be able to know the, the, the difficulties and the things that go on in, the, in it. So for me, it's been quite an... I think it's made me a better human to be able to know the disadvantages of people in disabilities and the experiences that they go through. So me being a board member has been an unbelievable experience of learning and and, and unlearning because obviously there's a lot of things we have to unlearn. And being a board member, because I travel with Alex, uh, we 
do different places across the country to be able to speak to different places, to be able to get students and, and funding. And it's been an interesting experience to be actually doing it and being on the ground in South Africa as well for us to be able to help the program. But the, the mastermind of it all has been Alex. And I'm just like a very small cog in the, in the, the whole entire experience. Well, that's still amazing, all of the work that you do. Just to give our listeners a bit bigger of an idea about this whole project, if it's the first time they're hearing it. So with this mission, I know that a big part of it is bringing these fellows to South Africa and giving them the leadership experience and the opportunities that you do. Do you do anything with bringing awareness about disability employment and things like that? I think a lot of people that we've we've brought into the program to apply to become a Mondal Fellows, before they saw a presentation about this program, they they weren't even really picturing travel abroad as like on their possibility horizon. And so being able to hear stories of people who have been successful and having those students sort of open their possibilities to what they might be able to participate in has been like a, an educational Yeah, piece. yeah. Okay. I think the, the, what Alex and I are looking forward to is doing the first cohort and being able to shoot content and be able to actually tell the story of what is possible. So I think a lot of disabled kids across the, the, the nation or the world don't even know that it's even a possibility. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's the importantness of this particular program. So able to show disabled kids that it is possible to get the opportunity to travel to another country in a travel abroad program. And that's the importance of the project. And that's why we're so passionate about it. And Alex is the most passionate about it. And it's an honor to see someone so passionate about someone and he will not take no for an answer. And I, just to like sort of add to that, I think when you hear about this program, it might be easy to categorize it as like a free trip and like a cool experience for for a disabled person. But just I know the confidence that, that I gained just from being so far outside of my comfort zone and having to work through issues. Like the first day that I was in South Africa, I had meticulously sourced what I thought was the correct voltage converter and the charger for my chair blew up on the, the very first day. So I quickly had to figure out because I wasn't going to be able to get around on one charge i had to figure out like how quickly to get a new charger and that's just one example but through that whole travel experience i became so much more adaptable and realizing that like i can get by on my own and roll with the punches and i think that's a skill that these fellows will return with and be able to apply it to so many different areas of their life i'm really excited about that Right, yeah, just definitely like expanding the horizons of what these fellows are capable of is just really amazing. And I also wanted to touch on, I did see that the name Amandla in Amandla Project has a special meaning behind it. Could you guys explain that? It means empowerment in the Zulu and Kosa languages, and Siv is a member of the Kosa tribe, so that's your tribe uses the clicking yeah. language. So I'm Kosa, which is X H O S A. The Q is K, and uh, the X is K, and the H is K. So it's quite a, an expressive language, but even Amanda even can mean power, strength. And it's always like people always have fists in the air to say Amandla, which is a, the, the biggest political party was a big user of the word Amandla. But empowerment, there's many words that it can be, it can be used for. And that's where Alex got the name of the, the particular thing. So this project and organization seems to have a lot of connection towards South Africa. What made you bring this project to South Africa and the communities there compared to another country? Well, like I said, my own travel experience was to South Africa as an undergraduate, and I made really amazing connections, both through my work experience. I worked for a disability advocacy organization, so connections in that realm, but then just also like meeting people like Siv, and he's introduced me to his friends, and we just have a really unique 
unique roster that we could offer to the students. And that puts us in a unique place to be able to have a network to provide a really special experience to the students that we wouldn't be able to in another country without those connections. Right. I guess I should have asked earlier, how long has this organization been running? That's a great question. <laughs> it launched right before COVID. So oh. I left my full-time job in late 2019 with aspirations to launch a travel nonprofit, and then the world <laughs> shut down. So we're kind of in this event that we're having on Saturday. It's kind of like a relaunch. I'm okay. really excited to get it, things off. The other thing I want to add is that even if, I don't know if you've ever traveled, but no matter if you're in a wheelchair, if you're in crutches, or you can walk without crutches or a wheelchair, Wheelchair. Travel will expand your horizon. It'll make you uncomfortable. It'll give you growth. So for me, it's it's no matter who you are and what position you are, travel is amazing for your confidence and many lessons that you will learn. But the injustice of it is that people who are in wheelchairs and in crutches or, ca- or mobility issues will not have the experience that people who are, who are not in those positions are. And this is why the, the project is a no-brainer. Everyone should be able to travel. Everyone should have access to travel and the, the life-changing experiences. And even when you started off our friendship if Alex was sitting in Seattle sorry sitting is a interesting <laughs> word if he was it's sitting accurate. it's accurate if he was rolling around in Seattle and not coming to South Africa I would have never met Alex and now he's a single father yes he's a single father and I am the godfather to his son the, the possibilities wouldn't have been able if it wasn't for the program that let him come to South Africa and for me that's why I think the, the program is so important and I think it's been able to con- show people how important the project is Right, right. So then I guess what one of our main topics for today is, I know that you fund all of these fellows on their travels. They're not paying for anything. It is all through the program. So how do you get that money to be able to provide them with it? We live in a really generous community, thankfully, so lots of businesses provide corporate support through their employee-giving campaigns, and then just also individual donations. So the event that we're having on Saturday is a fundraiser. It's also an outreach event, so I hope that people will come just to learn what we're up to, but there'll definitely be an opportunity to support us if you feel so moved. Yeah, so Sip, Snack, and Support is an event that is happening this October 7th, so this Saturday, and it's going to be at the Mercer Island Community Center. So what exactly is going to go on in this event? We're really excited to be able to tell the Mercer Island community what we're up to in hopes of getting support of all kinds and then also potentially students as well because we're still recruiting, trying to fill out the first cohort. But you'll get to hear from us about the program in general. You'll get to see a video featuring the story of one of the students who will be traveling with us in June, uh, Ashley, who lives in Texas. Um, We're going to give an award to the director of the University of Washington's Global Studies Department. He's done a lot to get students with physical disabilities to go abroad, and we want to honor that. Um, There'll be a silent auction with items from South Africa, an open bar, hors d'oeuvres. It should be a really fun night. And then, obviously, Siv plays a part in this as well. What are you going to be doing um, here? There, I'll just be emceeing. Uh, when I say emceeing, uh, it's me, Alex and I chatting, keeping the conversation going, introducing some speakers, and just, you know, engaging and really engaging with people around uh, the, the particular night and having, you know, taking pictures and just having a great time. It's predominantly me. I am I'm a board member, and I'm Alex's best friend. I would be there one way or the other. But we just want to engage with the audience and teach them about the program and just, just keep it engaging and fun as possible. Siv is always like really high energy, so that's one thing I can say about this event is like it, it definitely won't be dull. I can tell that that would be a great personality to keep everything going. So it is about spreading awareness yeah. as much as 
fundraising and getting donations. I definitely hope that people will come, whether they plan to make a large donation or not, just to learn what we're up to. You never know who you might have in your life who might benefit from our program. We would love to see everybody there. The tickets are $40 full price. There's a special code of Islander. If you enter that at the, at the checkout, it makes the tickets $10. It gives access to the full bar. And if people are not around or do not live near Mercer Island, are there other ways that they can help this project? Sure. Yeah, there's ways to learn about us through our website. I'm also happy to meet folks if they'd like to learn more in person. We're looking for professional mentors as well. So just all sorts of different ways to get involved. And I hope that people reach out if they're interested. So donating and volunteering, you can all find on amandlaproject.org. Yes. So that is really what I have for you today. I guess I should ask you one more question if you have anything else that you would like to add and want everybody to know. For me, I just I just hope everybody that has even feels like they're they're even a little bit intrigued will come join us to learn what we're up to. I think you'll be pretty moved and want to join our movement. And lastly, I flew 21 hours to be here, uh, if that's one reason. I think that's another reason why you should come. I flew all the way to come have a conversation (laughs) with you all. Uh, But for me, I think it's if I could just simplify it to there's many experiences around the world for many people to have. And I think it's an injustice that people who are in wheelchairs are not mobile cannot be able to see the world. So Mm -hmm. I think it's definitely an opportunity that needs to be seen. Well, thank you so much to both of you for speaking with me today and sharing your story. What you're doing is creating a huge impact, and I'm excited to spread the message and get more people involved. As Disability Employment Awareness Month begins this October, it's important to recognize and support causes like the Amenla Project to further the impact that they have on communities with disabilities. Again, if you'd like to attend the Sip Snack and Support event this Saturday, October 7th at the Mercer Island Community and Event Center, tickets can be found at amandalaproject.org events. I'm Nicole Henderson, and you're listening to KMIH 889 The Bridge.